Hello, and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. Now is the time to help us out. There are so many ways you can. Subscribe, leave us a review, share your favorite episode, become a patron, or all of the above. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. He's an actor, writer, producer, and an all-around sweetheart, and he's here on Block Talk to talk about his incredible film, Femme. It's Corey Campricholi. Hi. How are you? I'm so good. How about you? I'm good. It's It's been a little bit since I've seen you. Yeah. You what, know, was it Pride? Yeah, I guess it was Pride. I've been, I was thinking about this. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, we. <laughs> you were in a little uh, reading of a play I wrote. Yes, I was. was you were you're still in college then. Yes, I was. Wasn't that long ago? <laughs> yeah, just last year. Yeah, basically. Very much that. Um, yeah, so that's how we met. And yeah. Yeah, it's been amazing seeing you, like, grow. Thank you. I mean, Likewise. You're, you're a superstar now. Thank you, honey. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're going to learn all about what has, like, really made you skyrocket into being a superstar your film but first we're going to learn about you okay let's do it um so where are you from i am from bridgewater new jersey which is central jersey central jersey doesn't exist try again <laughs> it does i promise it's either north jersey or south <laughs> jersey but okay okay no, no, no. central's where it's at now like when someone said if you were to say like, i'm going to the city which city are you referring new to new york duh okay. well there's some people just, like well some people from south deranged. jersey like philadelphia really. absolutely not um, nope, sorry. Do you call it pork roll or Taylor ham? Um, okay. Oh, wow. Um, the hard-hitting questions here. Yes. Pork roll. Pork roll like a cheese. No, yeah. it's Taylor ham. I'm sorry. No. Okay. I, but I do love it either way. Yeah. Pork roll, Taylor ham, whatever it is, I'm getting it. Put some cheese on it. It's and amazing. Egg, put it on a Kaiser roll. Bam. Yeah, so. And I gained five pounds immediately. <laughs> anyway. You grew up in Jersey. I did. New York was just a hop, skip, and jump away. Yeah, it's funny though. New York kind of always existed as like this place that I just like always wanted to get to, but I actually didn't really grow up going to the city a lot. No. no, and I remember I remember I was in second grade and my teacher, whose name is um Miss Davis, she's now Mrs. Yanetta, um, I was like, I really wanna go to New York and she was like she looked me like dead in the eye and she was like, You are going to love New York. And I feel like it was her way of like seeing me and as she this was right, little right? gay boy who like was gonna find his people in New York, and she was so right. Yeah, I, I, um, I always wanted to live in New York. I had dreams to go to NYU Tisch, and I got accepted and moved here when I was dreams eighteen. Come true. And I've been here ever since. Ten years. Yeah, ten crazy. years. Now, I've been in New York. What was it like adjusting to New York, even though you're still pretty close to home? Yeah. Um, when I think back on it, I kind of am like, wow, it is really wild to have moved to New York at 18 and just not really knowing a lot, but being really hungry to like make my dreams come true and to learn, study and meet people. Um, but looking back on it, it was a pretty daunting, daunting major thing. But yeah. I remember, I remember being in the car with my parents and my sister on the way into New York with like car was just packed with all my shit and I remember seeing the skyline and just like hysterically crying of just like 
this feeling of like knowing where I, this is where I was meant to be, but also having such like fear around going there, you know? Now, when did you start getting involved in theater? When I was in first grade, I did a play called Once Upon a Lily Pad. And my heart, my part was Hoot the Owl. And I had one line and it was Hoot, just like that, Hoot. And I had this like wild costume. It was like this sweater with these felt like brown feathers glued on. And it was just so wild. And I just remember just getting bit by the bug. And I remember like my part, I had to like hide behind the scenery and then pop out. And I just remember like sitting behind that, that scenery, just like my heart pounding, being like, oh my God, this feeling, like I can't get enough of this feeling of being on stage. Now, first grade, you weren't like the lead role. No, it was very much an ensemble piece, but okay, I did okay. have a very special surprise entrance with the hoot. So, you know, I, I it was the lead. It was the lead. No, no, was for sure. So there wasn't like a lead role and like, where is that person now? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. So first grade, you get the bug. Uh, what, where, what prompted you to decide, I want to study theater? It's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I kind of just have always known that this is what I wanted. Um, and there really was no backup plan. This who, are, is it. Who, who would you say are some of your theatrical inspirations? Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Yeah. I when I was when I was younger, it was Hugh Jackman. I remember seeing The Boy from Oz, um, and it completely blowing my mind. And I also it was also really pivotal for me. Boy from Oz. Um, Hugh Jackman plays Peter Allen, um, who was bisexual, and I remember just listening to the soundtrack with my family, and my family loving the musical. And being able to go to a Broadway show with my family and see queer representation on stage and know that my family like supported it and loved it was something that was really transformational for me. Yeah. Um, and I also just remember being blown away by his performance and just being in the back row and just feeling the energy as just being so palpable and that he filled every like square inch of that theater. Now, were you a fan of his prior with like X Men or? Those I mean, movies? not really. I mean, I I had known of him through X Men and stuff, but like seeing, hearing him sing yeah. on Boy from Oz soundtrack, and seeing him live, that was when I was like. So you wanted I love to be you. Hugh Jackman when you grew up. I wanted to be with Hugh Jackman. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, there's still time. You never know. You never know. What are some of your goals as an artist? <sighs> to be able to express myself and to empower people to raise their voice. And I think a lot of my journey as an artist was understanding that my voice is worth sharing and that my story is worth telling. And I feel like, especially as queer people, we get told by society that um, we shouldn't take up space and that we're not valid and that our voices aren't worthy. And I think for me, it took a lot of time to unpack that. And I hope that through my art, I'm able to 
a tell my story but also empower people to tell theirs as well well let's let's hear about your art yeah let's do it so femme femme what inspired you to create it so i guess this i guess we can go like through the whole thing um i graduated from nyu went to nyu graduated was like i'm gonna be a star tomorrow and then like nothing was happening (laughs) and um i just felt like i couldn't really break into the industry and get the traction that i really wanted um and i remember you know meeting with people and them really not knowing what to do with me and the, the feedback always being like you're super specific and everyone says that but also they just really didn't know where to place me and I did a pilot of a film out in LA, um, excuse me, of a series out in LA, and the producer, his name is Benno Rosenwald, he saw me and was like, I think that there's something really interesting about you, I would like to represent you as a manager. And that was really amazing because Benno is queer as well, and it was the first time that I've ever felt seen for my queerness and that my queerness wasn't a disadvantage to my being able to act um, and have a career in this industry. So he took me on as a manager, but again, it was um, the same sort of thing. We, we kept hearing that. I was too specific. We had trouble getting me into rooms. And so finally he was like, listen, he was like, no one knows what to do with you. He was like, you have to write your own story. He was like, and if you write your story, I will produce it. And that was a huge turning point for me because he basically gave me permission to tell my story. Because I had always kind of written poetry and sort of doodled in my notebook, but never felt like I could write a film. And I think just his confidence in me that I could do it and that my story was valid was transformational to me and I took um I'd say like six months to really get still and like really decide what I wanted to write about and I did something called the uh, morning pages where you just wake up in the morning and you just do free writing and just like sort of whatever comes out of your mind um let it come out and it's meant to sort of like cleanse you for the day and give you a fresh start and um I kept coming back to these themes of like gender roles and gender performance and worthiness and I kind of got to a point where I was like this is it like this is what you need to write about and Femme was born from there. Amazing. So you write the script. I write the script. And then it's time to find the people to make it a reality. Yeah. How did you uh, find your director? Oh, his name is Alden Peters, our director. He's absolutely incredible. I met Alden at a warehouse party in Brooklyn. Naturally. (laughs) How fitting for this show. I was there with my friend who I was madly in love with at the time. And he went over and was like hooking up with someone at this party. And then I saw Alden and I was like, he's cute. I'm going to go and talk to him. And so I talked to him and we sort of... um, He told me about his movie that he was doing at the time, which was a feature documentary um, called Coming Out, which documenting his um, coming out process. 
So we had a really great talk and I was like, oh, that's, you know, a really cool guy. And then um, we went our separate ways. I started following him on Facebook. Um, and then when it got time to look for a director, I was like, Alden, that guy I met at that warehouse party in Brooklyn. Um, and so we had drinks in Hell's Kitchen and I um, sort of pitched him on the idea um, and he was interested in it. And then the crazy thing was, is that we hired him and I had never even seen anything that he directed. I just, I just knew, I knew, I just had a feeling that he was the right person for this project and he fully got it. Um, and he took the script to places that I never thought possible and really elevated the, the project in insane amounts. I'm like forever indebted yeah. and grateful for Alden Peters. Yeah, I mean it's a beautiful uh, short film and it's it's funny. Thank it's it's poignant, it's real. Yeah. And I think a lot of people relate to it, which is why I think because you're such a charismatic person Thanks. and you had a good product, you were able to fund this quite quickly. Yeah, that was wild too. Talk about that. Yeah, sure. So we got our funding through Kickstarter. Um, and it's interesting, like, I didn't tell a lot of people what Femme was about. A lot of people knew that I was working on a script, like my family and even some of my like close friends knew that I was working on a script, but... I never really told them what it was about because I still had issues around the word femme and the label femme. And so, you know, Kickstarter, we were about to release it to the world. And I just remember having like almost like a panic attack before we hit the launch button because I was like, this is a word that I have so much baggage around and so many hang ups. And to sort of lead with that. Is really scary and I think I think the story so femme is about a guy named Carson who goes to hook up with someone on a hookup app gets denied for being too feminine too femme and has to sort of unpack what that means and go on this journey towards self-discovery um, with the help of a drag queen fairy godmother played by Aja of RuPaul's Drag Race um, and it's really learning about about learning how to love yourself and when I wrote it, it really was aspirational in the fact that like, I didn't love myself yet. And I so longed to get to this place of being okay with myself and loving myself. So launching the Kickstarter was the first step of really taking this thing that was I had so many issues about and making it an identifier. Um, so I was absolutely scared out of my mind to hit the launch button. Um, but we did and what happened was just this outpouring of love and support from my family, my friends, um, the queer community in New York, in the country, across the world. It was unbelievable. We, our goal was $10,000. We made $10,000 in I think 28 hours. Yeah, it was quick. And then we made a total of over $25,000. Um, and it was just unbelievable. And going back to like the thing about always hearing that like I'm so specific and I'm so niche, it's like something like that Kickstarter, 
I realized that these themes are so universal and there's so many people who are going through these issues and I kind of never really knew that because I felt like everyone kept telling me I was specific and different and, and niche and it's like just because I'm not heteronormative and the norm it doesn't mean that those people don't exist and um just the outpouring of love from across the world made me realize how many people are going through this and how much this story needs to be told well, how, how does that make you feel knowing that so many people are using your film to identify with i mean it's the best feeling in the entire world it's it's really why I I wanted to do this because I had never really seen a film where the femme character was front and center. I always saw films or TV shows where the femme character was the butt of the joke and the side character. Mm -hmm. But to have the femme character be really front and center and really anchor an entire film was something that I had really never seen done and wanted to do for myself, but also those other people out there to show them like, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to be the sidekick. You can be the lead. You write your own story. You exactly. write your own narrative. Yeah, now, exactly. what do you hope audiences will get out of the film? I hope that audiences will know that they're valid and that they're perfect, like no matter who they are, no matter how they move through the world, um, no matter how they present themselves, um, they are perfect and I think that that really is the core message of the film like learn to take the things that people um, that you think are your weaknesses and really turn them into your strength and turn them into your identifier and your future becomes limitless a key part of the film is Carson's desire of wanting to know why people care so much and why he cares so much about what other people think about him. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you think that's so present in our society today? Yeah. Especially in gay culture. Yeah. I mean, I think about apps like Instagram and just about how I'll catch myself spending hours just looking through photos, like comparing myself to other people. And I think it's just natural that we're like, when we're engaging with these apps that we are sort of caring what people think. We care how many likes we get and retweets and all these things. And I think for me, it was about like really examining that and examining what is behind that. And for me, like I sort of try to check in with myself, like when I'm on Instagram for a lot of time or, or when I'm like constantly checking like my likes and stuff like that, like what's, what's going on how are yeah. you feeling like are you feeling lonely because if so that's okay but like the answer is not to dive into an app to fulfill that yeah i mean we definitely live in a time of instant gratification yes uh we always need the likes we check our likes yeah if we don't get enough we're like devastated Why not? do you think modern technology has helped or hindered our ability to connect Whew, that's a big one um i mean really both like when i think about how technology is connecting me to this femme community it's blowing my mind we have kids like that are reaching out from south africa and ireland and brazil and um, morocco and these are people that i would not be able to have contact with if it had not been for the internet and i think like the internet gives 
all of us the ability to have our own platform and groups that historically have been marginalized can have the same access in the internet that everyone else does to tell their stories. And I think that that is something that is beautiful and necessary and amazing that we all can share our stories in that way. But yeah, I mean, it, it fucks the way that we're, th- the way that we think about things. Like sometimes I'll catch myself like seeing something really beautiful and, and like my first thought being like to capture that on Instagram. And I'm like, what your eyes work perfectly fine. Just yeah. like look at it and take it in. So I think you have to take the good with the bad. Um, but I'm really interested in how, in how technology has changed the way that we think. Yeah, I mean, it, it, what what's crazy to me is I, I'm i old enough to know that, like, I started when Facebook really began. Like, I was, I think, the second mm. class really? of Facebook. Like, the huh. year before me was, like, the first or second um, group of people who were allowed to be the college kids on Facebook. Yep, and yep, we yep. were there. And then all of a sudden, I remember, like, the out, like the outcry of people being like, why are teenagers allowed to be on Facebook? And then yeah. it's like, why are our parents allowed to be on Facebook? Yeah. And it's turned into this big social connector yeah yet i feel like i'm disconnected from more people than ever yep i feel like i don't know how to talk to people anymore yep no i I agree and also grinders really complicated in that yeah i mean well that that is the inciting incident in the movie correct um is an a interaction on a dating app yeah what what has your experience been like that you've brought into the film and how how can we as the LGBTQ community be better at interacting on set apps? Yeah, I mean I have a very complicated relationship with Grinder and hookup apps in general. Like I'm always deleting it and re-downloading it, and I think the reason that I'm on it when I'm on it is because. I am trying to fill a void somewhere else. And if I can get on an app, for me, a lot of times it's not even that I want sex, it's that I want validation, you know? And to have someone say, you know, you look great, or you know, Mm -hmm. you look hot, like that will temporarily (laughs) make me happy for 0.001 second. And, um, And I try to, like I said, be really honest with myself as far as like when I'm on these apps, like what is your purpose like is your purpose to have sex like because i am a sexual being and like i do need that and so that's an okay avenue but like or do you actually want love and you're trying to like find love and connection because maybe that's not the best place to be if that's what you're actually looking for or do i just want a quick hit of validation and like i think for me it's about understanding really checking in with myself about what I want. Um, But, you know, a lot of the behavior on that site is really ugly and atrocious. And I think that we as the LGBTQ community need to call out that behavior. When we're seeing blatant racism, we need to call that out. When we're seeing, um, you know, femme shaming, we need to call that out. Um, Do you think people do that because they're hidden behind? Absolutely, yeah. I do think that that is a, well, well, yeah, I think that's a part of it, but I think that people just are racist. Yeah. And um, and obviously that's larger, you know, societal problem. But I do think that 
when you're on an app where your avatar can be your torso and there's no way to trace it back to you, I think people feel like they can sort of unleash their racism, um, you know, masqueraded as sexual preference. And I do think that when we see that behavior on these apps, it is our responsibility to call it out. Um, yeah, and unpack it. Yeah, I mean, I've had my own share of trauma on all these dating apps. Yeah. I mean, I I identify because there's a part in the film where you talk about fat femme Asian. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that happens on these apps, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, I was uh, at the duplex once, there for work to review a show. Mm-hmm. And I got an unsolicited message on Grindr being like, you're too fat to be here, why are you here? And that traumatized me. Yeah. And it, I, at that point, never really went out to gay bars. Uh-huh. It took me working in nightlife and through drag yeah. for me to finally feel comfortable, comfortable and be allowed to be at these places. Because yeah. there, were just so, there are so many nasty people out there. Yeah. So I, I feel like you've done amazing work making this film. Thank you. Because people are able to identify with it so easily. Thank you. And you don't, you don't make it documentary it's not like all about you it's about making a joke out of it making fun of it while still being true yeah it's a comedy i want you to be laughing but then i want you to be like oh wait hold on that's really real you know (laughs) like (laughs) yeah it's it's insane now how did you get aja on board oh miss aja um so i've known aja for a couple years um just being in the nightlife scene um and uh, then it was her birthday, I guess, two years ago, right before she got announced for Drag Race. Um, and I was at the Ace Hotel, and I was at her party, and they had a raffle. And whoever won this raffle, the prize was that Aja would put you into drag. And so I won the raffle. And Amazing. so... I then asked Alden, our director, I was like, hey, like, Aja's going to put me into drag. And this was just around the time. I'd say we were like a quarter of the way through the Kickstarter. So I was like, Alden, why don't you film Aja putting me into drag? And I'll interview her about the themes of femme, of gender and gender performance, and especially someone in drag who, you know, in some ways sort of straddles the the gender line in in some ways, gender performance line rather. Um, And we just had this incredible, incredible conversation and she really identified with what femme is about. Um, And from that moment, I was like, Aja has to play Pansy LaRue. Um, and so I asked her and she said yes and Amazing. Um, it was so great and she brought um, Candy and Momo along and they have like iconic shots in the film iconic shots at Icon <laughs> Liter- and Icon yes so we're Astoria boys the two of us yes we and are, so we, are. we were location scouting and um, I was at oh god what's the other one in Astoria Albatross Albatross yes so I was at Albatross and um, David, who owns both of them, was, I was talking to him and I was like, oh, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're shooting femme. I'd love to, to maybe shoot here. And he was like, I also own Icon. He's like, I feel like Icon would be better for yep. this. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, 
light bulbs, light bulbs, light bulbs, like, duh. Um, And so we ended up shooting at Icon. And it's funny because since we shot there, not saying that we're a trendsetter or something, but like all the drag queens are shooting there now Mm -hmm. because they shot um, Hurricane Bianca 2 there with Katya and Bianca. Um, And I've seen a couple other... um, films do do their shoots yeah i mean it's a fantastic space fantastic space go to icon get your drinks and come see iconic come see iconic on sundays produced by me and Lindsay k yes hosted by heidi ho it's a lot of fun i'm team sissy team sissy yeah Yeah. i mean get there and vote for her every vote counts all right now i want to ask you a political question okay with our current administration the lgbtq community is being forced backwards Mm-hmm. How can we stand as a community to take a stand and get ourselves back there? Yeah, I think I think living your authentic self loud and proud is a way to really show people that we're here and that we're human and that we're not going anywhere and we are not to be fucked with. And I think any way that we can just show up as ourselves as a community who has been historically put down and pushed to the side i think that that is powerful yeah now you have developed this big voice through film what's next with the film and what's next for you with future film projects yeah so we are turning femme into a series congratulations thanks we don't know how we don't know when but i'm putting it out into the universe that that's what's gonna happen um i just finished um the pilot which i'm super excited about um we've had some really great meetings um we just signed a um distribution deal which i can't talk about right now but Femme will be streaming soon. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's that's important. Yeah. In the fall, I believe, um, we're shooting for September. Um, and it's been really important for me to get it out as well. Um, we do have such an international, like, fan base and following and so many young kids. And I really wanted to get it out to them because when I, people are DMing us, um, Follow us on social media at Fem the Film. Um, but people are DMing us, being like, "When can I see it?" Like, I'm in Ireland and I can't have. I don't, you know, it's not coming near me. And I'm like, just hang tight, we're coming. I promise, I promise. Um, and it was really important for me to have them available for streaming on a platform that doesn't require a paywall um because i know that a lot of the fans are really young and i don't want to have any blockers from them seeing the film so that was really important for me um so yes we're going to be streaming soon and keep your eyes peeled for that and um for the series and if you're a producer and you got some money that you want to throw our way hit up me and benno rosenwald and alden peters um, let's get this off the ground. <laughs> Have you experienced any backlash from the film? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think the the Kickstarter really blew up in a way that I was not expecting um, and really became really highly visible very quickly. And I remember, like, reading the comments, which is just, like, lesson learned. Like, don't, don't read do the comments. <laughs> Um, of just being like, like, eat glass, was I remember a comment, and just 
this person being so... I think any time that you are shaking up constructs that people have been born to hold so true and so tight and so rigid and so non-flexible, I think that any time that you do try to change that up or present a varying perspective, I think people get really spooked in a lot of ways because I think in in some ways it questions their entire identity, sure. their entire upbringing. Like, and that's why I love drag so much because I feel like what it does is just fucks with the construct of gender. It's like, oh, you think I'm a boy? Actually, not look at me now. Don't you think yeah. I look like a woman? And like, don't you think that that fucks with your construct of gender? And how does that make you feel? And then like, I, I love, you know, it's not always just about fitting a binary and drag as far as being male or female, but like being an animal or being somewhere in between or like being, being a, a creature or a monster. Like, I think it just fucks with identity in such a beautiful way. And I do think that femme does that too. And I think that that's where that sort of backlash and like where that came from. And so, you know what? I'm comfortable with that. Like, keep it up because if that's not happening, then I don't think we're doing our job. Absolutely. Now, do you have any aspirations to do drag? Um, well, Asha put me into drag and I had a really great time. To be honest, it's a lot of work. Yes, it is. These queens, they, it is not easy. Mm -hmm. So yes, I mean, I love to like, you know, stomp around in heels and throw on wigs when I'm with Absolutely. my boys. There is an arc. <laughs> there is an arc for Carson. I'm not, I'm not saying anything, but I think drag will definitely be a part of them, the series. Well, so you are a big fan of Drag Race. Absolutely. How, yeah. when, when did you start watching? I started watching um, Sharon's season. So season four. Season four. So my friend Max Crum knew Willem because he did a show with Willem. I think it was Jersey Shore musical, right? Like right, the right, Jersey yes, Shore yes. musical. Yeah. So he was like, "You have to watch the show. My friend is on it," and I was like, "Okay." And then it just completely blew my mind. Um, so that's when I started watching. Yeah, I mean, I've always cross paths with you at the Ace Hotel. We, yeah. We had the viewing party. Yeah. Um, oh my God. The best. Yeah, it was always so much fun. Ace Hotel, bring back the Drag Race viewing party, please. Because it was just so tell iconic. Vin tell Vincent too. I, oh, I've told him a million times. <laughs> I've told him a million times. But, and, and, and that, I think that specific space and that specific party just gave me such a sense of community. Yeah. And like rallying behind this show and like drag race in general just gives me a standing date with my best friends every week. That's yeah. what I think I love about it the most. Absolutely. Just like, whether it was on a Monday, whether it was on a Thursday, whenever it's on during the week, I fucking clear my schedule. So do all my friends. And it's, it's the best. It's, it's a way to build community and also celebrate who we are. Absolutely. Now do you have some favorite drag race girls? Yeah, um, I love Willem. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that he's so irreverent and amazing. Um, I love Bob the Drag Queen. I remember seeing him at Barracuda. We would, 
we would go to watch Drag Race and then watch Bob's show at midnight at Barracuda. And I just remember being like, fuck, he's a star, you know? And, and how fulfilling that is to know that the entire world then yeah. was able to witness his star. Yeah, Bob was the first drag queen I ever saw. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mine was Angina. Interesting. In Buffalo, New York. Wow. <laughs> very random. Very random, very specific. Um, and Aja, of course. Of course, yes. of course. Now, what were some of your thoughts on season 10 since it was our most recent season? Yes. Uh, let's see. Love Aquaria. She deserved it. Yeah. The looks that she was turning was just unparalleled yeah. and unprecedented. Um, love Monique Hart. Um, love Eureka. Kind of thought it was a little bit unfair that she was back. Same. <laughs> because you know why? I think, I think that so much of Drag Race, I feel like, is like, not knowing how like the world is gonna embrace you or not embrace you yeah and i think eureka had such an advantage of like knowing that the world already loved her and i feel like part of the equation is like being an unknown and not knowing how the world is gonna embrace and she you. knew how the game works how the game worked yes but that being said, I loved the arc that she had about like faltering in the beginning yeah. and then having this, you know, ascent. Um, but Team Aquaria. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can't. You can't talk about Drag Race unless I, you say support your local queens. Oh uh, yes. Who are some of your favorite local queens? I love Miss Britta Filter. Yeah. I love Marty Gold Cummings. Those are my two main main people i've known both of them for years and years and years and to see both of them just like skyrocket absolutely um has been so amazing um i love stephanie's child those girls know how to sing um i love miss vanadu i love miss poppy sissy um yeah those are those are my girls. Yeah, I mean, there is so much talent in this city. It's incredible. I mean, me trying to see 365 drag shows this year. I've, I've seen I've they just counted 208 so far. 208 drag queens in 227 shows. Who are your favorite local drag? Queens? I can't say that. I can't say that because that'll get me in far too much trouble. But no, I have I have so many favorites. Like, I mean. Bob was the first drag queen that I saw, yeah. but didn't really. That's not when I like knew what drag was and cared. But I remember yeah. it was Bob. The first drag queen that I really saw that was a local queen was Britta and Tara when I um, yeah. judged the season two finale yeah. of um, Lady Liberty, and that's when I was like, "Wait, these they're incredible." Yeah, we have so much talent here. Yeah, and also just thinking about like the way that they're raising their voices are local queens and like I think specifically about Marty and you know him venturing into politics and really raising raising their voice and making meaningful change and I think about the H um, Hell's Kitchen Democrats and I think about Corey Johnson and my friend Carl Michael Wilson um, and just people who are really um, showing up in politics and showing that you know where people deserve a space in 
the political realm as well. Absolutely. Now, it's the summer. It How's is. your summer been? My summer's been great. Honestly, I've just been traveling so much with them. Yeah. We, um, so we premiered in Boston um, at the end of March. And then since then, so we just got accepted into our 26th festival. Amazing. Festival. And I've been trying to get to as many, physically get to as many as I can. Um, so I did Boston. I did Miami. I did Toronto. I did San Diego, San Francisco, LA, New York. Not bad. In the past, like, couple weeks. Amazing. Yeah. Now, do you have any plans for, like, a summer vacation not femme involved? <laughs> um, yeah. I want to go to P-Town. I go to usually go to P-Town every year. Um, P-Town and Fire Island. I'm trying to find a way to, <laughs> to get both of those in. Just, but, um, just, just say you're doing a festival. And you're exactly. Exactly. Just call Cherries on the Bay and be like, I'm showing the <laughs> film. Let's, let's do it. Hey, that could work. You never know. Are you a beach person or a pool person? Um, beach. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Jersey beach? Um, my parents just got um, a beach house in Chadwick Beach. Okay. Um, which I think is near Lavalette. Mm-hmm. So I want to go there. Yeah. If I have a second. Um, so I want to do that in the next couple. And then film there for what, like episode twelve? Yeah, we'll have a beach, a beach moment, a beach episode. Yeah. Um, I also pretend point. it's Fire Island. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't film the Fire like the budget Fire yeah. Island, like the Jersey Shore. <laughs> yep. That that sounds correct. So we do something on the podcast called the Pop Five Rapid Fire. Okay. Where I'm going to give you five pop culturey things okay. and say the first word, phrase, story, whatever you want to talk about. Okay. All right. Number one, Mamma Mia two. Cher is an icon. <laughs> I have not seen it yet. Is it good? I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, you haven't seen but it. But I still know Cher, that Cher, Cher is an, an icon. icon. It is true. Um, I'm. I, everyone says it's great. I'm so excited for it. I love like these like communal viewings of yeah. Mamma Mia. Like my friend Dave Bazzoni like went in like full like drag like sun hat garb and just like people be showing yeah, up. Well, me and Vanna were gonna go see it and do a whole podcast about it, but we didn't get a chance to. Do it. We'll we'll figure out a time to do Vanna, it. Vanna, where are you at? Come she's, on, now. she's doing Lacage. Oh yes, she's playing a fifty year old man. As you do. At twenty nine. Um. So me and Vanna, I've known I've known him for about ten years now. Too. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, you probably have stories. Yes, because he went to Wagner, mm-hmm. um, with one of my good friends um, from high school, Sammy D. Simone, and so um, yeah. Amazing. I'm so thrilled for him. Number two okay. is Apple as the first public American company to surpass trillion, right? One trillion dollars. Crazy. Um. I think about Steve Jobs being an absolute visionary and about how he changed how he changed the world and I think about like innovation and I work at a tech company as well um, and we talk about how innovation is um, giving people what they didn't know that they wanted and I think Apple has done that yeah. masterfully uh, though I have to go to Apple on Saturday because my fucking phone's like burning up and my the charging case won't work and I just want it to work for like you know a month <laughs> just a month and also I have like over 70,000 photos on it so that's probably why that'll I'm... do it that'll do it but, well, well, Apple you gotta help me out give me like a phone that like will let me have no no you gotta 000. get the G the Gmail photos app and then just put it all on there and then just I just forget to delete them that's my problem right now right, I forgot right. to delete them all there. All right, number three is Next. the Pope declaring the death penalty inadmissible. 
What does inadmissible mean? Not good. Not saying that the death penalty is not good. Yeah, that they're. They oh don't agree with that. man, I um I don't know. I um I don't believe in killing people. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> My, yeah, I mean, it's, my stance it's, 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 sticking to it this pope likes to make statements and cause controversy <laughs> but you know what at least he's progressive also i think having to sit in a prison cell and think about something for the rest of your entire life and not having mm-hmm. an out might be a good thing that's hell in itself <laughs> exactly all right number four is head over heels Yes, I saw it. Yeah, Love it. Amazing. It oh my God. Peppermint is a star. Peppermint is an icon. Um, Bonnie. This girl, Bonnie. Oh, do you know Bonnie? Have I you don't. I, I, Bonnie's a good friend of mine. Uh, she is she, singing the house down. Yes, she is. She, um, I first discovered her at the Flea when she did a show there. Uh-huh. And I told her then, I was like, you're going to be a superstar. Uh-huh. Then when I was writing my musical, I told her I wrote a part for her. Uh-huh. And then she did the reading and concert of the musical. Shut up. We, we weren't able to make it work for the uh, yeah. full production, but, oh, I'm a huge Bonnie Milligan fan. She is it. Yeah. Um, and I just loved... The queer representation on the screen, seeing, you know, men in makeup and, you know, I feel like so many times, like, in, in, like, ensembles of Broadway shows, like, especially the ensemble specifically, like, has to adhere to, like, not has to, but, like, so many times adheres to gender roles and, like, the guys are really, like, muscular and manly and, like, what I loved about this was seeing an ensemble full of people, like just sashaying and living their dreams yeah. and being like unapologetically queer did you have fun i loved it and that's all that matters i loved it who cares Go what critics it. say did it get bombed there were some issues well i mean the review was very problematic mm-hmm. um yeah yes but i'm a theater critic i can't say too much on this subject. <laughs> and finally yes robin's new song welcome back welcome back we missed you are, are you fully off book for it? No, okay, I'm fine. not. I actually just listened to it for, for the first time this morning. But it is like oxygen mask. We needed her. Yeah, we missed her. We missed her. We miss you, Robin. Okay, so I also have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Ooh. And this is a question from Adriana Trenta. Okay. How do you feel about drag race becoming the main goal for most drag queens? Hmm. I think that it shouldn't be the goal but i understand why it is i think it offers a lot of access to money and capital that local queens don't always have access to that being said i'm seeing people outside of drag race who are absolutely throwing down really with no intention at all of getting on the show and i think that that is absolutely incredible and they are doing their things and they are making their coins and showing that it's not the only avenue um but maybe i'd feel differently if i was a drag queen yeah now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question okay um what was the first time that you saw yourself represented on screen? I love it. I'm excited. Well, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, use hashtag femfilm. Yeah. Where can we find you in the film on social media? Uh, you can follow me at, at Corey Camp on Instagram. And you can follow the film at, at femthefilm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
and use the hashtag free your femme. That's also another part of the film is like, um, we really want to use the hashtag. Um, I think I was able to tell my story with this film, but I really want to give people the space to tell their own story and tell their own um, experiences with gender roles and gender performance. So Amazing. Well, use, use the hashtag, hashtag also. Film. Yes. This was amazing. Thank, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. A huge thanks to Corey for chatting. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review while you're there. And visit our Patreon to become a patron today. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.